I'm Jim Gallagher Jr. I'm your host, and this is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, go ahead and email us at onlyoneshotgolf at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at onlyoneshotgolf. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's GallagherJR, or on Twitter, GallagherJRGC. Let us know what you think, and uh, thanks for subscribing and listening to our podcast. But today, I've got one of my good friends, longtime friends, Mike Heinen. He played his golf at the University of Lafayette, Louisiana, played some mini tours before getting his PGA Tour card in 94, and won the 1994 Houston Open over Jeff Maggart and his uh, longtime hero, Hal Sutton. Mike played a tour for several years and uh, finally quit playing and got into the golf cart business. He's going to tell us his story. And so uh, let's see if we can get him on the line and uh, hear from Mike Heinen. All right, I've got Mike Heinen on the phone. Mike, welcome to the Only One Shot Golf Podcast. Glad to have you with us today. Good to be here. Good talking to you. Yeah, we've been friends a long time, and I consider you one of my best buds, someone I always know I can go to. Uh, but you grew up just outside of Lake Charles and uh, on the your family farm for many years. How did you get started in golf? Uh, it's kind of uh, being on a farm was kind of difficult. I was 30 miles from nearest golf course. Unlike you who grew up on a golf course, I right. grew up on a farm. So it was a little harder to get to the golf course. And uh, But my dad played, my grandfather played. And on weekends and stuff, uh, sometimes Dad would make me get out and work a little early, or I'd get out a little early so uh, I could go to the golf course with him. And uh, kind of started like that, and just got more and more into it as it went on. Did your brothers play at all, or are you the only one that played? Uh, brothers play a little bit. Uh, my youngest brother, David, plays a little bit. Mark, my uh, the middle brother, uh, he forms now. He probably plays more now than he ever does, which is about three times a year. So he... Neither one of them really played much. Uh, you know, they just had other interests and uh, didn't really get into it. You know, we talk about kids and, and golf and playing other sports. You played a bunch of sports growing up, didn't you? Yeah, I think we all did back then. Uh, now things are so much more. Uh, you know, you, you, you've got to focus in on what you're doing and, and only play one sport, which, you know, it, it's almost you almost have to do that, but it, it makes it kind of tough because I think it doesn't make you as well-rounded, you know, of an athlete. you got to try to play everything. And, you know, back when I grew up, everybody played every sport. I mean, you just, whatever season was around, you played it. Well, yeah, that's, that's true, and I think it's okay to play, you know, multiple sports, you know, maybe one per season. But when you get maybe, I guess, ninth grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, you might want to narrow it down to one or two. But you're right, it's about being well-rounded and being around other kids and being part of a team because, you know, you see so many – especially in tennis, you saw many kids burn out at a young age. And if we're not careful, you'll see that in golf. Because, you know, when you specialize like that, and it may not turn out exactly the way you want. Yeah, yeah. And that's a tough thing. And it's so competitive, you know, to where they're so much better at it because they focus in on it. And they do it. And, you know, if you, it's hard to know in ninth grade what you're going to be good at, you know. So, it, you know, you kind of play everything and then kind of go. And, you know, I, I think we all had. Uh, I don't think uh, many golfers were like in ninth grade going, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play on the PGA tour. There was, you know, I'm going to be in the NFL. I want to be in the NBA. I want to be, you know, something else. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was whatever, but uh, the, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's hard to do it, but the kids nowadays almost have to do it because the competition is so tough. It's hard to make a high school team now. It is. That's no question. What was junior golf like for you? Cause I mean, you were, like you said, you guys were working on a farm. Did you play in many junior tournaments? Were you able to do that and travel much? Yeah, we did. I played a lot of local stuff, uh, you know, played a lot of, you know, tournaments in, in Louisiana. And then, uh, you know, as I developed and started to get better and started winning more state stuff, you know, we worked, uh, my dad, 
uh, you know, and family, we traveled a lot. So we would take trips and get to go play in junior tournaments uh, in other places. Uh, you know, we didn't go really far, but living in Louisiana, I mean, you had plenty of tournaments in Texas and Florida, you know, something that you could get in the car and drive over and, you know, play in tournaments. So I did two or three of those a year, you know, bigger tournaments, and then, you know, a lot of tournaments in Houston and stuff like that. So that's when you kind of fo- kind of focused in on golf course. You stayed with those other sports. What was your recruiting process like with college? I mean, you know, usually, you know, even back then, uh, you had to kind of get some national uh, notoriety or, or focus on something for the coaches could see. What was your uh, process like in picking schools? Yeah, I, I think, you know, now it's, I mean, everything's going on the Internet and everybody can see every player everywhere. And, and, and since I didn't travel around much, uh, and I started a little, you know, I was a little older when I started compared to a lot of a lot of the players. Uh, you know, I was probably 13 or 14 before I really, started trying to play golf mm. and a lot of you know a lot of kids are starting seven and eight years old so uh kind of maybe a late bloomer and uh you know in, in high school i was pretty well but it was just local it was local in state you know i didn't really play a lot in national tournaments and you know i played a few ajgas which back then it was it was even hard to get into them then and you know now here it's almost impossible to get in one unless you're you've got a really high ranking yeah that's true uh, so that kind of gave me a little exposure and, and you end up going to usl which is now University of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, did LSU recruit you, or were you just uh, you, you kind of just ended up at Lafayette there? Uh, yeah, David. Uh, I, I I was the same age as David Toms. Okay. So David Toms was a you know top recruit all over the country, and uh, he believes purple and gold. And I, you know, I was an LSU fan. I I wanted to go to LSU, but I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And you know, David was going, and he was he was going to play. And 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 he, you know, I know his freshman year. You know they had such a good team. He was he was struggling to be in the top five. So if he was struggling to be in the top five, I know I wasn't going to be in the top five, especially my freshman sophomore year. So you know I I kind of looked at that and uh, and thought, well, let's I want to go somewhere where I can play. And and at that time they were really trying to build a program there at, at University of Louisiana Lafayette, and I was excited about it. And and they they did a really good job uh, recruiting players and. We ended up having some really good teams, so that was that. That made it fun. Uh, I'm glad I went there, but during the process, you know, like I said, I just kind of, kind of just picked where I thought I could fit in the best and what I thought was my best opportunity. And at that time, that was what worked out for me. Well, that's smart. I think <clears throat> so many kids, you know, they, they, everybody wants to play, and I don't know why you wouldn't go to a school where you could play or thought you had a chance to play. Everybody wants to win a national championship, but you were two-time All-American there at Louisiana Lafayette. But, uh, you know, I know in, in, in Indiana, Billy Crouch or Fuzzy Zell or guys like that were kind of role models for me. Was there anybody, I know Hal Sutton, uh, who's a little bit older than you and more closer to my age. I mean, he was the man growing up in Louisiana. Were there other players, other people in Louisiana that kind of paved the way to kind of get you maybe interested and, and thought, well, maybe I could, you know, do this for a living? Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty neat when I mean you know going to uh, in, in Lafayette at UL, uh, you know we could I could go out to Cadian Hills, one of the golf courses that we played a lot, and uh, you would always see Jay Abar, uh, Jay Abar mm. in the back on the back of the range hitting balls, you know, and and I'm I wasn't from that era. He was well before me, but I knew who he was and I knew what was going on, and it was it was neat to just kind of go back there and just kind of watch him hit a few balls and. And we didn't necessarily have big, long discussions, but I kind of talked to him about certain things. So that was pretty neat. You know, learned a lot from that. And, uh, you know, 
it was it was uh, you know neat to talk to him. Uh, but I actually I said Jay Abrams, it's Lino Abrams, who right. is Lafayette. Jay okay. Abrams' brother in Houston. Right. I also met him too, and he was a great guy to talk to. I talked to him at Champions a couple times mm-hmm. from some of the players we had on the Champions. So it was neat to talk to those guys. Uh, you know, even though like I said, I wasn't from their era. You know, it was just kind of neat to sit down and talk to them, and then. Uh, Dave Reagan became my coach hmm. uh, at UL, and uh, he was there for, uh, well, I guess a year and a half, and he had an apartment right next to me, and um, we were in the same apartment complex right next to Oakmore Country Club, and I could just go sit down with him and i talk for hours, and uh, it was that was pretty neat. And then Hal Sutton being close to my age, but I'm out on a putting green putt, you know, we're trying to you know, when the uh, the Masters or whatever it is on the putting green, the little putting games going on, you know, it was like we were all different players. And, you know, I was always Hal Sutton because he was, you know, he was, the, like you said, he was the big guy growing up. He just won the PGA and all that. So it was, uh, that was kind of one of my, you know, kind of idols growing up was, was Hal Sutton and kind of neat to go to Houston and uh, end up paired with him in the final round uh, when I won the Houston Open. So that was uh, kind of a unique uh uh, circumstance the way that worked out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got some great stories from college. I don't think we're going to tell those on the podcast, <laughs> but you, uh, I think it's changed so much. Uh, and of course you're not around it like you were you know, now, like you were back then, but it was a lot different now. Now it's like a job. Uh, and, and, you know, it is. And I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know, the, the kids are focused in on, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, this is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go to high school and I'm going to practice golf and I'm, I'm going to work as hard as I can and I'm going to get a scholarship. And, and, and if it progresses from there, I'm going to, I'm going to play on the tour, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and I, I mean, I, I just kind of went out and played golf and had fun and, and, and just tried to hit shots and try different things. And, and I, as I got better, I thought, well, man, I might be able to do this for, you know, in college. And then, you know, uh, you, know, you become an all American in college and you just look around and you're going, man, I'm in the top 20 college players. I don't, I don't think I'm that good, you know, and, and, you know, but you, you look and you say, well, you know, and then you turn pro and you're like, okay, now I'm playing against the top 20 college players over the last 15 years. And it got a lot tougher. Yeah. So tell us, you know, when, at what point in college did you think, you know, maybe I can do this uh, for 11 when you were all American or when did you kind of make that decision? You know what? I may turn pro. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I played, played well my senior year. I became an honorable mention all American. I was 13 my senior year and, and I basically, you know, I had just people, you know, kind of talk to me and I, I kind of thought, you know, asked me if I would. And, and I said, you know what, I'm going to definitely gonna give it a try. But I just didn't know, you know, how, how hard I was going to try or, or, I mean, I was going to give it my all, but I didn't know how long I would try mm. before, uh, you know. The, so it was kind of one of those things I just wanted to give it a try just to see. And, uh, you know, and then, like I said, being the same age as David Toms, he came out the same time we traveled the mini tours together. So that was that was a good experience for me to go out and, and, and play with him and, and play practice rounds with him and then kind of went out there together and, and uh, you know, kind of had to, uh, you know, work at it pretty good and, uh, and, and trying to – learning how to travel and learning how to – you know, you don't have a coach telling you where to go. You don't have team practices. You don't have tee times set up at the local golf course. You know, you've got to do everything. You've got to get your hotel rooms. You've got to, you've got to pay for everything, and, and, and it – you learn a lot just from doing that. And, um, and that's, you know, that was a big part of it was just learning how to do that. And then once I learned how to do that, uh, you know, 
it's just a matter of playing, falling into place at the right time, and and uh, get you know get your opportunities and, and taking advantage of them. Yeah, people think you just kind of walk out of college and boom, you're on tour. But you and David, David struggled uh, to get on. He tour. did. You played. Yeah. You, you played like you said many tours. Canada. What were those experiences like playing uh, those different tours? Obviously, with the goal is to make the PGA Tour. What was it like playing those back then? It was neat. I mean, it was uh, like I said, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we, you know, we, we had a bunch of guys that, you know, that I went to college with and guys that were before me that were in college that were, you know, all basically had the same goal. You know, we all wanted to play on the PGA Tour. And, and uh, you know, to get out there and, and learn how to travel and learn how to play four-round tournaments and, and you know, and, and that's why I went to Canada to kind of play a national tour and play against, you know, uh, different guys from, you know, not just this area, but, you know, all over the world. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and the competition was tough. We played good golf courses, and you know, and you don't play for much money, so you got to play well if you want to keep doing it. You know, so it it uh it, it taught you how to go out and really try to win, basically. You know, and, and not just try to make cuts and, and make a living. Because on the PGA Tour, you can just kind of go out and make cuts and, and make a living with endorsement money and all that kind of stuff. But if you're just making cuts on the mini tours, uh, you you you're not paying for your expenses, so you don't last long. I think that's a great point because I think that, you know, you look at Corn Ferry Tour and the top 25 gets their card and, and you look at that and they're not making a whole lot of money doing it. But, you know, it's that desire to continue. But you finally get your card. I think 94 was your rookie year. Um, yes. You know, tell us about that year. It was pretty neat. Um, I had a, I played the, uh, what was called the Nike Tour back then, but mm-hmm. it was the, uh, the uh, Nationwide uh, Tour, which, what is it now? Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, Corn Ferry Tour. Yep. So uh, now it's the Corn Ferry. So we, we went through all those changes. But uh, it was a Nike Tour back then, and I played my 93 season. And I had a pretty good year. I, I think I finished 16th on the money list. Uh, and I was playing well. I had some good tournaments. And uh, But back then, you know, it only took the top five to get your PGA Tour card. So mm-hmm. I had to go to tour school. But I was able to go, I think, to the straight to the final finals of tour school. And I went to tour school and, uh, you know, got in the top, uh, I think it was top 25 back then. Uh, maybe more than that. I don't remember what it was, but they, they, uh, you know, I was able to qualify and get my card and it was, it was neat. And it was, it was, you know, my dream to get on the PGA tour, but it's like, once you do it, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm just getting started. You know, I haven't really done anything yet. Even though I just did what I ultimately wanted to do, I still haven't done anything. And I think that was a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause I kind of came out early and I was like, okay, look, I mean, uh, this is what I wanted, but I, I got to work to to be out here because it's it's not going to be easy to stay out here, and uh, and you know so I, I worked at it and uh, kind of learned my learned my lessons kind of early and, and trying to figure out and then you know had a great opportunity playing in Houston felt comfortable had a lot of family and friends in and and really it was funny because I was just trying to get my shuffle number up so I could get in more tournaments yeah. because I was at a tour school and it was the last shuffle and I, you know I needed to play well and make good checks so I could shuffle up so I could get more tournaments. And so I really focused on trying to play well and, and make a cut and, and have a good finish to get my shuffle number up. And, uh, you know, a couple rounds into it, I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm right here. And, you know, and kind of look at it like, Hey, you, you, you're, you're right around the lead after two rounds. Why can't you do it for two more? And, and this is what you're here for. And, uh, you know, went out and did it and, and, uh, and won the tournament, which was, uh, you know, made it for an unbelievable rookie season. And, uh, and, and just, you know, had a, had a really good, uh, 
you know, following year, you know, played pretty well too. And, and then, you know, since then kind of slipped off, but it was, uh, it was, it was a really fun rookie year to be, you know, basically going in, not knowing what's going on to all of a sudden being a winner and I'm playing with, you know, in the, in the winner category and I'm playing with all these guys who I looked up to and, and, and idolized, you know, growing up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and now all of a sudden I'm, I'm paired with them, you know, and it was, uh, it was pretty neat. I, I really, uh, I really, you know, to, to get into it and go that fast with it. And, uh, you know, winning my rookie year made it, made it kind of special. Yeah. That'd be your fondest memory of that week would probably, you know, you know, getting the trophy, being out there in front of family and friends. But you mentioned 95, you, uh, go to new Orleans, you're playing great again and you lose the playoff to Davis love who was not in the masters. Uh, and it got him in the masters, but what would that have meant to win in your home state? So close to home. Yeah, that would have been, uh, that would have been great. I, uh, like I said, I, you know, I kind of looked back at that and, you know, it was, it was always uh, a good memory because I, you know, played well and, and stuff. And it was funny because it, uh, I, Davis decided to come play because he wasn't in the Masters and kind of decided last minute. Wednesday Pro-Am got rained out and I was supposed to be in the Wednesday Pro-Am and he and Fred Cupper and Fred came because Davis came. Mm-hmm. And so they were hanging out together and hitting balls on the range on Wednesday. And after the Pro-Am got canceled, it, it was still flood. It was it was wet and it canceled the pro am. But late in the afternoon, we were just out hitting a few balls, and David starts talking to him. He's like, "Hey, what's this course like? I never played here. You know, we're, <laughs> can you come on Tuesday?" And I was playing around. So I'm sitting here telling Fred Couples and and Davis Love how to play the golf course because I played it a lot growing up and mm-hmm. then you know played played practice rounds and everything. So I was I was kind of saying, "Okay, on this hole you do this. This hey, you got to watch this on this hole." And then all of a sudden on Sunday I'm playing with Fred Couples and Davis loves the group behind me and I'm I'm trying to beat him and then Davis ends up beating me in the playoffs and I go on a, I guess I advised him a little too well. Yeah. Well but, you're a good uh, teacher. But it was a, <laughs> <laughs> I uh I had no I had no idea that was gonna do it. But had a lot of people pulling for him that week and you know, I had a lot of people pulling me pulling for me being local, but you know, a lot of people knew his story of trying to get in the masters and and uh so there were a lot of people pulling for him. So it, it was really fun because, you know, they weren't pulling against me but you know they were pulling for me and they were pulling for him, so it was it was fun and and uh, and like I said, I would have I would have loved to win that, but then you know uh, Davis getting the Masters and then ended up finishing second the next yeah, week, and did. I was already in the Masters, which yeah. is kind of a unique thing. I'm playing with you know Davis Love, such a great player, and he's not the Masters and I am. You know he's kind of it's kind of a, a kind of a reverse of what you think it would be, but uh, I, I you know I enjoy playing in front of my friends i played well in dallas you know i had a lot of family and friends come to dallas to, you know it's closer tournaments so it seemed like i always played well when i was uh close to home of course i like the heat bermuda greens and and everything else being from louisiana so you never felt the pressure playing in front of fram- family or friends you never felt that pressure that you had to play good for them you just went ahead and played good yeah i mean i did feel the pressure and i, I almost think that was kind of a good thing for me I, I didn't at times i didn't like it when i played well it was fun because i, I had confidence but when you're not playing well then you just you know you're like you're not really there you, your game's not there but it does still i still tended to kind of get better rounds out of it because i was more focused you know i just i just wanted to it's like you know i wanted to play good in front of everybody so it puts that added pressure but i think it makes you focus a little better and and, and like i said i don't know that it, it to me it always felt like it made me play worse but uh, like I said, all my good finishes were, you know, close to home. So, uh, with a lot of family and friends there. So I think it, it you know, it, it, you might've felt a little more pressure, but it might've made you 
play a little bit harder or focus a little bit better or whatever it might be, or maybe relax you a little more. I don't know. It's hard to know. Yeah, you know, when you and you played against the best and you played uh, a long time against them, and you mentioned Davis Love, Fred Couples. When you look back at the elite player, what do you think, in your opinion, separates them from just the the average or the rest of the tour or the rest of the, the players that are out there? What makes an elite player an elite player? It, that's, uh, you know, I don't know. That's kind of the question. It's kind of that it factor, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it just, I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it's just something that, it's just, it, and I think it's different with different people. I always said that, you know, I mean, Nick Felder, who, you know, we both know so well and practiced and worked on his game and, and every aspect of his swing and, and, and thought about the game and, and, play, and was an unbelievable player. Then you take a guy like Fred Couples, who went home through his clubs in the closet, or Bruce Litsky, who you and I know mm-hmm. very well, threw his clubs in the closet for three months and then pulled them out and would go out and finish third. You know, it, it just, uh, it, I think you have to do what works for you and you have to understand. Because I, I always said if, if Bruce Litsky would have practiced like Nick Faldo and Nick Faldo would have practiced like Bruce Litsky, we'd have never heard of either one of them. That's true. You know, so what works for one player will not work for another player. And I think you've got to find out what that is. And, you know, and I don't think you can teach a player what that is. I think the player just, you know, needs to figure out what works for them and how it works. And, and you know, and it's all hard work. Bruce Lipsky, you know, we both know Bruce and Fred work really hard on their games. Oh, sure. And they, they, they practice a lot and they hit a lot of balls and they did all the right stuff. But they didn't, you know, they don't think about it constantly. And I think I was, I wish I could have been a little more like that, mm-hmm. but, uh, I definitely wasn't like a, a you know a, a real technical player. You know, I went out and just kind of played and tried to have fun when I was playing, and and that's why I played a lot of press rounds with you and and and, and Bruce and and stuff like that because you know y'all were the same type of player. It was just going out and just trying to hit good shots and have fun and and you know and and, and work on what we need to work on to, to to shoot a good round. You know, you mentioned that. I mean, we played a lot with Brian Clare, who's now a rules official. And, I mean, he was more technical and, and thought it uh, a lot around the golf course. So, you're right. I think I think it has to do with heart. It has to do with the inner belief in yourself that separates them. But the, the point you made was really good. It's, it's, it's up to the person. I mean, you can't, like you say, practice like uh, somebody else or be somebody else. You have to, to be yourself. And I think that that's a great point. And I, you know, I haven't had anybody say that uh, in all the podcasts. So I think that's that's well taken. But, you know, you lose your card, your family comes first. And you were a lot like me with that. But you go back and play. Back then was the Buy.com tour. having your you know, And you had your tour card for all those years. Was it tough to go back and play that tour, uh, knowing the, the success you had on the PJ tour? But was it the ultimate goal to get back on tour? It was, uh, I mean, it was, you know, like I said, it was, I was working, uh, to do that, but I, you know, I had played in Canada, I had played the mini tours, I'd played a lot, you know, it wasn't like, I went out and, uh, my rookie year was, you know, my year after college and I went out and won on a PGA tour and now I got to go play a tour. I never, I played those tours for years, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, and they're, and they're good tours and they're real competitive. And, and so I just looked at it as an opportunity to kind of go out and, and and play and and as as I played well, you know, I kind of felt like okay, I mean, I I can do this. I just got to get back out there, and then eventually did get back out and got my status back and played a couple of years, and then you know, then it kind of fell off again, and then I just got to a point where I'm like, look, I'm getting older now, and and I don't know, it's it's like I'm still playing okay, but I'm just getting tired of kind of trying to get back out there, and my family's at home, and I've got you know. I've got other obligations, and I, and I just started thinking, yeah, it, 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 
the thing for me is if when I was in the road playing in tournaments, I felt like I should have been home. Mm-hmm. And when I was at home <laughs> and with my family, I felt like I should be playing. And, you know, I feel like I'm never in the right place. And, and that's what I just said. Look, this is, this is not, you know, this is not what I want to do. I don't know where to be, you know? So I need to just be where I need to be. And, and, and that ended up being, you know, just going home and, and, and being at home and, and trying to, you know, figure out something to do there because I, I could not balance the two. You know, it's, it's hard when you're not, you, you know, I mean, a lot of players know it's really hard to stay out there. And when you're not out there and you're getting one every now and then, or, you know, playing in some of the smaller field tournaments, it's hard to be ready. You know, you don't, you don't have room reservations. You don't know where to play. You just all of a sudden get a phone call and you're like, okay, I'm on a plane. I'll be there Wednesday night and, tee it up on a course I've never played before. I got to play against the best in the world. It's just, it's not easy to do. Well, you made a great point because I I remember, I guess it was 2000. I did, I'd lost my playing privileges for the first time in a long time. And and Sissy says, when you're home, you need to be home mentally. And when you're on the road, you need to be on the road. And I think that's something we mentioned Bruce Litsky, that he did such a great job of being able to separate the two. But to to your point, when you're only getting in these events late Tuesday or Wednesday, you're not prepared, and you can't go in anywhere against the best in the world and and, and not be prepared. But when you look back over those years playing, where was the coolest place you think you played? Where was uh, one of those trips you remember the most of of, of all the places you played at? Uh, You know, I I, I heard, well, Tom Watson one time was in the locker room, and I I heard a reporter ask him, where's the – uh, you know, where's your favorite place to play or something like that? And he says, well, I have different things. He says, I like New Orleans to the food. <laughs> you know, yeah. I like, uh, and I don't remember his answers exactly, but, you know, you know, I love playing it. I mean, obviously he loves the British Open, you know, and, you know, and he said he's one for different things. And, and I kind of, you know, never really thought about it that way. And after I thought about it more, I was like, okay, I like, you know, there's certain golf courses I just, you know, I like, I like a lot of Nicholas courses. I love, uh, you know, the Memorial. I mean, that, that golf course is just so much fun for me. I, I just always love playing there. And uh, it, w- it was a fun tournament to play in. It was a tournament so good. The course was so good, you know. Uh, but I always like playing in Houston, mm-hmm. New Orleans, you know, close to home. That's that's still my favorite because, it, you know, it's kind of one of those – it was like what you're talking about. You almost had the, the – the, the, you had them put together. You had your competing in – playing on the tour and you could go out there and you could concentrate and you could work hard and you could try to win the tournament. And then at night, you know, you're out with your family and friends having dinner, you know, uh, talking and having a good time with your family. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, but it only happened to, you know, it'll only happen in, uh, you know, in Jackson or new Orleans or Houston where it was close enough for family and friends to come in. Uh, so that was always a, you know, that was always a fun, you know, that was probably my favorite. It's just anything kind of close to home because I could gel the two with family and competing. Do you miss playing competitively at all now? I do. Uh, but, you know, towards the end, I just didn't feel like I was as competitive. And, and I, I, I wasn't willing to sacrifice other things to work at it to try to be competitive or stay competitive. And But I do miss competing. I, I don't miss playing. I just miss competing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when you're not playing well, you're not practicing and you're just showing up for tournaments and you're not really competing, you're just playing. And, uh, if you're playing for a paycheck, you might as well just, you know, pack it up and go home because if you're just playing for the money, then, uh, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna work out too good in the long run. You've gotta, you gotta love the competition and you've gotta love competing. And, uh, I do miss that. Yeah. I miss the people. And I think that's what everybody yeah. that competes, they, they love the competition. I always felt more comfortable in 
you know, when I had a chance to win than when I was anywhere else in the tournament. But you mentioned, you know, you, you're done playing and you had to look for something else to do. And you got into an interesting side of business. You got in the golf cart business. Tell us about that. Yeah, I uh, kind of never really wanted to be in the golf business after playing professional golf my whole life. But the golf carts uh, kind of is, but it's kind of not. So it's uh, it's really been good. It's, uh, yeah, I still get to be around, you know, the golfers and the golfers still come in and, you know, we you know, we sell golfers, golf carts, but then we also sell them for recreation and, you know, to maintenance facilities and, uh, some of the plant facilities here. So we, you know, it's a little bit of everything, but, uh, and it's also with hunting and all that, which I enjoy doing too. So it's, uh, it's really been a fun business. We've, uh, we've done really well. We've grown a lot and, uh, I, you know, kind of got into this thing and, uh, it, it just kind of evolved and, and, and grew and it's been, actually pretty uh pretty challenging and pretty competitive and and, and stuff like that so it, some of that stuff kind of still kind of works to my advantage too it's you know i, I want to do well and I, I want my my business to do well and you know i want to make people happy with with you know with with good products just like i wanted to make people happy by playing good golf you know it was it's just uh kind of transferred over and i really yeah, I've really enjoyed it, and and like I said, and then I'm able to do the same thing where I'm able to be home with my family. Well, you know, uh, it, you know, may, it, work. it may have filled that void of competition that you said you love to do. Exactly. You know, kind of kept that kept your has your success on the tour or your golf connections has that helped you in your business? It has. Uh, you know, I don't really promote it a whole lot. Uh, you know, people are like, man, you need to put your trophy on the wall, and you know, and all that. And like, but you know, most of my it's funny because most of my customers don't play golf it's they're not even for golf carts it's mostly mm-hmm. recreation and stuff like that and and so a lot of people come in here don't even play golf now you know most people that do play golf know who i am and 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 you know i'm friends with them so it uh that makes it easy but uh it, it does help you know when you uh when you you know you, you're trying to get uh somebody to you know um buy some of your products uh one of the you know maybe purchasers at one of the plants and you know and you call them up and say hey let's go play in this scramble, you know, or this tournament somewhere, this fundraiser. And, you know, and they're playing with me and, and they know who I am. And it, it really, you know, it, it makes it fun. And, and I still have uh, still got a little bit of game and uh, in a scramble, it, it, it shines a little more than it uh, <laughs> can I did if I had to play my own ball. What's the name of the company? How can people get a hold of you uh, that are listening? How do they get, uh, maybe come do some business with you in Lake mm-hmm. Charles? We're in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and it's uh, Golf Cars Unlimited. We're a club car dealer, and uh, we're located right here in Lake Charles, uh, right down uh, about a mile south of the McNeese State University uh, football stadium. And, uh, you know, we've been serving this area. I've been been doing this for uh, over 10 years now. And, uh, like I said, we've got a nice setup. Uh, We do everything. We build carts. We sell new ones. We repair them uh yeah about anything you can do to a golf cart we do it and uh and i have my hands on most of it uh i i you know i don't just sit in the front and feel phone calls although i have to do a lot of that but uh yeah i'm in the back a lot of times working on stuff and i've always enjoyed that i mean i grew up on a farm so uh you know working on something and fixing brakes or trying to fix a broken golf cart or or just picking out what to put you know what kind of body to put on a cart to you know kind of make a cool custom cart I've always enjoyed that, and uh, so it still makes it fun. That makes it, you know, a kind of a kind of makes the days go by and uh, a, a little quicker when you can, you know, kind of go out, build something, or do something, or fix something. Uh, use that kind of that competitive edge again. It's like, hey, I gotta go out and do this, and 
and then when you do it, 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 it makes you feel good. And for you listening, this guy's MacGyver. I mean, he can fix anything. I've seen him back up. Uh, he can back up anything. He, uh, I remember during one of the, uh, the hurricanes, he was Rita. You came up with your motorhome and the, and the Suburban behind it, and it had to be 100 feet long, and you backed that sucker up in my driveway, and everybody like across the street at church says, George Strait here? I said, no, that's Mike, and he backed that sucker up in that driveway. So, yeah, you could do just about anything with those things. It was always amazing how you drove that motorhome, and, and you travel with a motorhome what was that like traveling the tour and, and, and playing out of a motorhome for those last couple of years you played I, I enjoyed that I mean it was kind of that time where I kind of was you know missing the family and, and wanting to be with the family more so I kind of thought this would be something good that they could come out and, and have that home feeling uh, when they are out and, and, it, and it did work to a point but it also worked for me from a point of having that you know I just felt like you know it was nice to be able to just open up a refrigerator and say look hey there's I've got I've got ham and bread and 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 I I can make a ham sandwich. You know I, you can't do that in many hotel rooms. You know you've got to go out and eat somewhere. So and I like to barbecue. I like fixing things. So I always brought stuff with me. You know I, you know I'd bring fishing poles and so it, it made it nice because I could go and do things that I that you don't normally do. You know when I was playing on the tour full time. Uh, and and I not I like to have my own car. You know with me and not have courtesy car and, and and so well since you did don't have it when you're playing the mini tours it's nice to have your car and not be in a rental car and uh you know but it was also nice to get on a plane and be somewhere and stay in a hotel and, and have your bed made and, and eat restaurants every night too so it just kind of broke up the the monotony i think of you know being away from home and it kind of made it a little more of a home with you home or homelier feeling for me and and that you know i i like that part of it but uh, it was, uh, it, you know, it had its challenges, too. Yeah, for those listening, he had the best pork chops and the best steaks I've ever had in my life. So he taught me how to grill, and I've got a green egg now that my kids don't think I can cook with it, darn. I told him Mr. Heinen taught me. So they've had your famous pork chops with the honey on their glaze. So they, we always had some fun with that. But when I'll let you go on this last question. When you look back on your career, what are you most uh, proud of? You know, I'm just I'm proud that, you know, from where I – you know, where I started, uh, you know, just 30 miles from the nearest golf course, um, playing at a little golf course and, you know, working hard to finish plowing the field so I could go play golf with my dad or go play golf while my dad played, either one. And, uh, you know, to go and get a college scholarship and, and, and play in college and then play the mini tours and, and then go out there and compete against the best players in the world. Uh, albeit of uh, uh, not a very long time, it was a very uh, fulfilling time, you know, of, of my life. I mean, it just, you know, to, to kind of go full circle from just, like I said, not even really playing golf to, uh, you know, competing against the best in the world uh, during that time frame just really made it, uh, made that pretty special. And that's just something I'll never forget. Well, when you look back on life, folks, and you listen to this story, I mean, here's a guy that had a dream. You don't necessarily can always be what you want to be, but when you work hard, it can come true. But as I like to end with our podcast, uh, whether it's life or in golf, uh, you may have only one shot, and you got to take advantage of it and take uh, and make it count. And you did, and you're still making it count. And we appreciate you being on the podcast. Appreciate your friendship, and uh, we'll get together, and we'll both hit, try to hit some big cuts off the tee. That sounds great to me. All right, buddy. Thanks for being with us. Thank you.